Welcome to EFM.Live Podcast. You're listening to the CyberJaya Startup Summit Podcast Series, the first edition, Sustainable Entrepreneurship. The inaugural CyberJaya Startup Summit is a two-day event consisting of talks, workshops, and interactive panel sessions where you can learn new insights, recruit talents, raise funding, network with fellow entrepreneurs and industry experts, and much more. So let's go through the panel first. The quick intro will be Jonas Shalbat, Adrian O, oh, Kenneth Kwan, Sharir Baha, and also Hanson Toh. So uh, I run a software company that uh, supplies software to restaurants. Um, we help them uh, automate online marketing, um, specifically reach their customers and get their customers to come back. I'm Adrian. I'm co-founder of EC Insider. Um, basically, we are a media site right, that talks specifically about uh, e-commerce. And uh, lately, we just published an uh, e-commerce uh, Malaysia landscape for 2181. Do check out ecinsider.mine uh, so that you can understand uh, what kind of players are, are currently in the market in each of the segments, covering from digital marketing to platform to payment gateway uh, uh, to 3PL. Uh, and uh, take a look and give us a feedback. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Hanson. Some of you may recognize me. I was here yesterday for the FinTech segment again. Um, so, in, I know, I'm not sure where Inba is. So, when Inba asked me to join this panel session for, you know, brick and mortar to digital. Uh, I wasn't sure whether he was asking my capacity with Axiata Digital, with Boost, or just generally, you know, personal capacity. Um, so, a bit of background about myself um, on the brick and mortar aspect. Uh, back in 1999, uh, I was part of a co-founding team that started a, a portal called JustCarsAndBikes.com. Basically, we were trying to uh, be a digital car dealer, right? So basically, you know, like how you walk into a car, you know, showroom. A car showroom, you try, uh -huh. yeah, okay. You try to buy a car, so we were trying to do that in 1999. On a old 56K modem, we were trying to sell cars online. I mean, this is before ISDN, before HIS? The, just the, about, just yeah. about, yeah, the, the, yeah. The children have no idea what that is. Yeah, yeah, I know. So yeah. <laughs> we'll tell you the story you know, later. But yeah. So you were trying to do this, a car dealership thing yeah, online. Trying, yeah, we were trying to do a car dealership wow, okay. online. This was just before the dot-com bus came in 2000, right? And then along the way, I did a few things. Uh, about four years ago, I, five years ago, I had a startup called Service Clicks. This is pre-Gautim, uh, pre-Recommend. And all that, and basically we were trying to convert, you know, sort of the aircon you know, servicing guys, uh, consumer-centric services to become digital. And now I work in Axiata Digital, and we're taking payments uh, from offline to online. So there's various parts, I think, of my uh, personal experience, also working experience that I'm hopefully I'm able to share with everyone, um, and hopefully it resonates and helps you guys. Hi, uh, my name is Sharil. So I run Semuanya Bola. And during my time at Semuanya Bola, I also advised uh, Alisan for their digital marketing. So I advised them how to bring Brick and Mata to digital. So I hope I can contribute something during this session. Hi, uh, I'm Kenneth. Kenneth uh, from IP88. So IP88 is uh, one of the payment gateways in Malaysia. We started as an online, uh, more to facilitate online payment. But over time, we're actually migrating towards doing uh, offline QR code or maybe what you can say is kind of like omni-channel. So uh, my, my focus is on merchant acquiring, be it online and also offline. Great. And uh, if you want to know my background as well, besides being a pilot in the 90s, I was also working on the 28.8K modem time. Uh, I created a website which was called accessmusic.com, literally selling CDs and cassettes. You have no idea what it is. I'll tell you later, right? <laughs> CDs and cassettes on the internet. 
by just doing simple transactions and everything, but we'll share that with you later. That's why I think they picked me as a member of the panel as well, also an MC, also because I'm free. So first question I have is to any member of the panel right here, during my time, the 90s, internet was just a new big thing, right? It was, it was big. People had no idea, no expectation what's going to happen. But today, it's pretty much everything is available online. So because this topic today is based on brick and mortar to digital, let's go straight into food. Why I say food is because in China, for example, we're talking over lunch. In China, you can actually buy food online. It's similar to like Uber Eats, Food Panda, but even the small merchants now are actually using it, right? So the question I have is, based on this methodology, will the small shops fail if they don't go online? Jonas. I think so. I think so. Um, there, there's a number of ways you can go online. Uh, it's specifically a restaurant. Of course, delivery is, is a massive thing. But I think also just exposure, uh, being discovered. Um, I don't think uh, the, you know, going in a restaurant or going in a coffee shop, uh, you know, I don't think that will ever disappear. Uh, we always want that experience of, of entering a place, you know, experiencing the food, experiencing the service, experiencing the ambience. Um, but I do think um, that there are large spaces of revenue and, and traffic uh, that people discover uh, via online ordering. Well, Adrian, a question for you is, with what Jans did, now with the fact that, because he was mentioning that people want to go and eat because they want the experience. Fantastic, right? But he was also mentioning that, hey, uh, somewhere on the line, they will actually drop if they don't go online. What do you think? You mean specifically for FMB, for right? FMB, purely FMB, because it's the easiest, <clears throat> most form, easiest form to actually talk about. No, I won't think it will affect the small shop at all. Okay. In fact, I think if they go online, they probably will actually gain more new customers. Okay, but what if they don't? They choose not to. Like in China, for example, they've got that Chakwe Chow and they, they don't want to go yeah. online. My opinion is, I, I ask myself, mm. right, uh, where I go online to actually uh, buy food now? Normally, I don't. I just walk around my neighborhood. I order uh, what you call economic rice. I currently, maybe with a drink, come out five, six ringgit. If I were to order the same thing online, um, I need to pay for the delivery fee. And some online meal actually costs 10 or ringgit, 20 or ringgit. And for mass market, I think it will take some time uh, before all this kind of online food ordering behavior will take place in Malaysia, uh, specifically context from Malaysia, because uh, we always are very price sensitive market. Uh, so I only see those uh, more upscale market, people from Bangsa or expat, they probably order food online because they value their time more than money. So we have to. So they would actually the rather go online to get the food, yep. as opposed to going out, and they don't they don't mind paying that service fee. Yes. So the cost itself is the main factor, right? That's stopping this uh, mass market adoption. Uh, this is my opinion. Okay, Hanson. The question for you will be from food to fashion, because food is everybody needs to eat. Fantastic. We get that. We understand that. But fashion now, it's it's becoming like Lazada, like like you know, places like Zalora. They they offer this try first. If you don't like it, give it back. I think my wife loves it. She buys stuff. Don't like, send back. I I I'm like I'm I'm baffled, right? But theoretically now, people are not going to malls to shop. People are going to malls to eat. People are going to malls to watch movies, but not buy clothes. Hanson, what do you think? Will this mean that the brick and mortar of malls, for example, will be gone if they don't sell online? Um, it's a good question. So my, my wife works in retail. Um, she, she works for one of the leading um, uh, malls in KL. So she, she does get affected by it. We do discuss it. 
I think malls, I mean, like you say, you know, people go to eat and, and some malls, like if you go to my town in Cheras, I think they've kind of tuned their, their, their merchant mix, right, to become more about food, right? Uh, you go there, there's tons of restaurants, there's one floor which is food court, then there's another floor which is the more atas, you know, restaurants and everything, right? Um, but, and, and I think there will be some combination of that where you need to look at the merchant mix. There will be some that have some, you know, either colleges or some education aspect in it. There will be some that have uh, more entertainment, so I, I, I'm not I'm not uh, expert on property or retail, but I think it, it definitely does affect it. But it also means that, for example, you have fashion ballet, right? And they're not they're not here. Fatsa's not here. But it, around you know, so you you go to the you go to the website, you go to the app, you look at what's new, what's cool, um, and you then interact with the retail shop in a different way. Maybe you go there to pick it up, you go there to try it, or you go there to you know experience or to mingle with with the community. So I think uh, definitely if you are a brick and mortar business, uh, you definitely want to consider, you know, with digital, how does that affect, um, you know, your choice? Okay, I think uh, Jonas has something. Yeah, if I, if I can scoot in. I think it's interesting. I, I have this discussion a lot with, with entrepreneurs, but also people who just run very much larger companies. And, you know, the, the debate of are you a digital company or, you know, are you an offline company? And, and I really just believe that you're just a company. Online is just a method. A channel. Or, yeah, yeah, a channel. So you look, for example, I was part of building Zalora in Malaysia. Okay. Zalora today, not specifically in Malaysia, but in other countries, has physical stores. Yeah. Um, if you look at companies like Apple, yeah, they sell vast majority of their phones. Online. Not, not in their physical stores, but they've created concept stores. Now you see Microsoft has done the same. Um, let's take a coffee brand, Nespresso. They sell vast majority of their coffees through subscription. It comes online in partnerships, but they have physical stores where you go in and experience. And you can also now see Amazon is moving into the same direction. Um, Walmart is now transitioning from being a physical uh, kind of big box store to also playing an online game. And, and I think we'll see more and more of the world being that, um, where I might go in and I might try the product, um, but then that product gets shipped to my home. Yeah? Uh, or if it's a recurring product that I go in and I experience the product, um, but that then comes regularly uh, as, as kind of on demand. So, Shire, you're with Sumunya Bola, right? It's, it's the website that literally is everything football. Your content is all based online. So, when it comes to brick and mortar, in the olden days, I would actually buy a physical magazine, a football magazine. If you were into uh, 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 cars, you'd buy a car magazine, right? From your perspective, being the CEO, the owner of Sumunya Bola, would it, would, do you see a transition from people not buying magazines like football magazines anymore and just going specifically to you? Or do you think you'll, would you actually want to open another business and actually have Sonia Bula with a magazine, for example? Um, yes, of course, we start with uh, digital, but. Uh, you do want to actually look at press, we, we print are media? going to break and motor because uh, right now for Sonia Bula, uh, during World Cup, we're going to tour all around Malaysia. And our e-commerce site, we just launched our brick and mortar store at eCurve. So we, as a, as a businessman... So man, you're going upside down. You're no, doing no, your no. way. We, we want to capture both market, online uh. and physical store. Because uh, in Malaysia, the adoption to, to online is still very low. People still buy from physical store. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm the old-fashioned guy. I go to, like, say, Wanutama, and I, I want to feel that product. I want to see that product. I want to taste that product. I mean, not li literally taste fashion, but I want to, like, experience it myself because buying it online is like, eh, you know, that's for me. But you're saying that you are already a successful business online, and your next move is to go brick and mortar because you want to get that different target market. Yep. My question for you is, 
why don't you just take that target market and bring it online? Isn't it cheaper, easier, less operating, operational costs? Um, we, Everybody has a phone. Yeah, but, but, but uh, for us, when, when we do our simple survey, we always have uh, different because people don't want to buy from online. They want, uh, let's say... So there is a market sell. of people who don't want to... Yep. Okay, in, in Malaysia, right now, based on our data. And when I'm with Alison before this, the difference between physical store sale and online is very huge. It's almost like 0.01% for online and uh, the rest is physical store. That's why we are moving forward uh, to uh, open our brick and mortar store. Okay. But uh, we still uh, doing online business. So both, we want to target both market. Oh, thank you. Okay, next question will be to Richard, right? I, I, first of all, thank you for IP88. I've been using it from day number one, uh, you know, for all my transactions. I actually see IP88 now. Richard's actually here. So thank I can you ask you directly, you know? What's next for you? Because people are doing stuff online, they're using you, fantastic. But if you go to brick and mortar, will they still want to use you? Will you lose business from this particular transactions? Like Shahir said he wants to have a, on, a store now where people can go and feel and literally a brick and mortar store. But how will IPA88 advance their business if people are just not going online? Okay, uh, IPA88 always focus on offering various payment solutions. Um, if you're talking about uh, what's next, I think... More or less, uh, number one, it was always started as an online channel. Then people talk about offline. Now people talk about this keyword of omni-channel. What is that? Omni-channel is like both. Why, why differentiate offline and online? It's all both. Uh, it's intertwined, I would say. So what I do feel just now, uh, observation from hearing from all you guys, I feel the key thing that is happening now, it's, uh, it's not whether that we are offering online or offline. It's actually observing the way of life that's being changed. I think that's key. It's about people. People, customers. Like, example sake, you talk about food. So, last time, food, you say like, uh, you know, people is like going to the shops and all. And then now, uh, maybe you evolve to ordering. But then maybe the concept is, is uh, maybe uh, in between. Example sake, well, I would still want to go and I still want to eat at the shops, but I want to pre-order beforehand. Why do I want to wait? Things are changing. It happened before for the cinemas. Last time you used to line up. Why do I want to line up now? Nobody lines right? up anymore for yeah, cinemas. Correct. Yeah, correct. So, so it's an evolution I feel that's more important than anything. So it's not like totally like hard and fast through, totally online and totally offline. It's that we are evolving and we are evolving as, so that we make our lives easier for, uh, as it is. Of course, there are things that will take a bit more time. You mentioned about uh, fashion. Fashion, I think, unfortunately, it's a bit more. You need a bit more. Uh, you need a bit more time because the fact that you do need to try stuff, correct? I don't think you want. Yeah, you can say you want to return, but who wants to return and wait for another round? Come on. So, I think when augmented reality becomes a reality, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> then then itself, then the fashion will comes about. So everything have an evolution. There's triggering point, triggering event. Things will come about. For iPay side, we are definitely trying to offer whatever solution possible in terms of uh, QR code and all. But again, these are vehicles. Whatever said and done, you do need the evolution. We will try to enable it through payment, but the other parts need to come in, come into hand. That analytics, uh, digital marketing, everything. Understand the customer cycle. I think that's most important. 
Hansen, you're the expert in this, so I need to ask you this. While some of the startups here are starting their business, getting things running and everything, most of them are still into brick and mortar mentality of like payment is credit card, payment is PayPal, or payment is cash through bank transactions, right? In Malaysia specifically, are you at IP88 looking at other payment options like phone, QR codes, like what they're doing with Alipay in China, for example? Anything that IP88 is doing that the startups can actually get and jump on right now so that they, they're the first to know? Yeah, no, the in thing now is about QR code and all. Yeah, everybody who want to go into it. They even question like, uh, uh, why, why QR code and all? I think the fact is it's become, it become easier. Uh, it yeah, I don't want to go out with my wallet. I just want to go out my phone. Yeah, well, you need to bring the next, the most key thing after your, your mobile phone will be your power bank because you make sure you don't run out of battery. I, well, what about, <laughs> the, you know, there are talks, that ideas that the next time you buy something is through looking at, a device through your eye code or your, your thumbprint because they say thumbprint can be copied. There's this whole eye thing. Is IPay88 looking at anything like that in the future? I think it is happening now at this point of time. Um, I feel that, uh, okay, IPay will be like, we are the third party acquirer to help uh, enable all these financial institutions, including the banks. If, uh, if I'm correct, the Maybank QR code is already having facial recognitions. That's right, yeah. Yep. So there's already happening. But then again, the matter is some the, the matter whether adoption and whether you're comfortable with it or not. I, yeah. I'm 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 from Denmark. Uh, in Denmark, we use something called mobile pay. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah mobile. And so Denmark evolved very very quickly, uh, changed from kind of a cash society into a credit card society. Um, today, you barely see credit cards. Uh, it's it's quite surreal. But most people pay by the phone. So if I owe you, five this ringgit, is in Denmark, right? This is in Denmark. Yeah. So, but but this tells a little bit about the future. So if I owe you five ringgit, we use mobile pay. If I'm buying something in a store, we use mobile pay. If I'm paying my rent, we use mobile pay. Even some companies today are, are paying salaries through mobile pay. Um, and, and that's simply just a simple SMS that goes through. Uh, Sorry, I, I got to so, bring... So, go on, Hansen, go on. I think, I think the key thing now is, uh, you see, the QR code is happening for the F&B portion there. I think it's not enough. If you really want to get people to adopt QR payment and all, it needs to come... It needs to be... Um, it needs to touch your life more often, right? If it's just for FMB, right? Not everybody's just looking for the best deal. If you can uh, interlink with your transportation, interlink with the uh, payment of your bills, so it is whole holistic thing. It's just like what uh, Google's Google's ambition earlier is like to touch everybody's life twice a day. So it might be relevant. If it's not relevant, it's just like how you look at your phone, and then you know there are some apps that rarely use. Do you want to delete? That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I, think, I think where you're coming from is whether uh, there are a few talks about it, like uh, by right, if you make a credit card transaction, should the merchant charge you or not? Should, should uh, how it goes about? I think that one is more to education. And of course, if there's anything, we need to whistleblow to it. Having said that, uh, I believe that uh, the banking authorities need to get involved a bit more rather than as of now. Uh, and then also engaging and also educating uh, the the society itself. If I understand correctly, uh, I I think they are initiative by by the government to to come out uh, roadshows to engage people more on uh, to give them more trust on how to uh, transact online and all. I think that is one of the key drivers this year. Supposed to are you telling us that right now people are still or in, in the majority still scared to transact online? That, that is what I understand that there are still catchment of people who are not comfortable with it. Okay. Mind you, we are, we are in 
Klang Valley. Okay. We're in the metro. But Malaysia is like, I think maybe like, it's not just Klang Valley, it's not just Penang, it's not uh, Johor. How about the rest of the areas? Are they comfortable with it or not? What about, we were, you, you had something to say, Hanson. Yeah, if I can just sort Go of... Go ahead, please jump in. Just add on to what Kenneth is saying. I think there's quite a few considerations and you brought up a very good point. If you go to the, you know, the, the, the nasi lemak makcik, right? Oh, you, I want to just pay. It's, right, right. You just she want to look pay, at right? me one kind, you know. She look at you one kind, right? It's, it's, like, like, it's a smaller, than... smaller amount, so you want to pay online, yeah. you know, online or credit card. I mean, there's a few considerations. One is, you know, normally these, these uh, small stalls, they don't have a lot of cash. Right? You go there and, you know, when you... You give 50 ringgit or something. Yeah, you give 50 ringgit. They, they, they struggle to give it back change. But at the same time, they use that cash to then, you know, go and buy their, 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 you know, their, all, their, all their masa items for the next day, right? So they need to roll the cash. So if, you, if you're going to pay by credit card or bank transfer, you know, they, they're generally the cash gets parked into another place. So they need to factor that in. Right? That's one. There's also transaction costs. So that's another part of it. You know, if, if, for example, if you buy nasi lemak that's say, you know, like two ringgit packet and the charge is just say 20 cents, I mean, 20 cents may not be much to you and I, but to her, you know, it could be quite considerable. And there's also the technology. Do you need to put the, you know, the terminal thing down there? You know, they can't manage that. So I think, I mean, and then this is where maybe I'll just chip in very quickly for booze. I mean, these are all the considerations we're thinking of. We work with guys like IP88, of course, to reach out and, and bring down the cost of being able to transact, being able to bring down the cost at each different stages of it, right? So whether it's online or offline. It's a, it's a long, it's a long no, battle. I, I think we're not yeah, a yeah. long way. But. I just want to add on one more thing also because you see, uh, it's an evolution. Uh, they need to get uh, comfortable with it, the merchants. Example, say, you're talking the machik, right? You ask yeah. them to look at the transaction report and confirm whether it's okay or not. Jam already. Transaction report by you a machik. You the word transaction, you lost it already. Like, oh. How lah? <laughs> so, uh, you'll take time. They, over time, they'll get used to it, right? But it is an evolution. People need to get used to it. It's Kenneth, just like how people get used to using a QR code. Kenneth, are there plans for IP88 to have those small terminals at, at smaller merchant stores where they can just use like PayPass, for example? Are there plans for that? Okay, because uh, then you will just cut it across. There's no scanning. They just tap and move on. Okay, I think, I think what I'm trying to say is uh, now over time, right, to, uh, to have a better, more uh, faster adoption, if you use terminal, it is quite expensive to roll out. Just initial cost. Yeah, initial yeah. cost. So I think the way forward is uh, going through apps. So we do have, we are developing apps and we're trying to put in multiple payment options into it. And that makes sense, especially you are looking at the grassroots merchants. Why grassroots merchants? Uh, if you look at the SME uh, demography, well, last I know, 700,000 to 800,000, I think 70% of those SMEs are Mamak stores, Pasar uh, Malam, uh, these are the small grassroots merchants. And these grassroots merchants, because the transaction is small, I think even the payment companies itself cannot roll out terminals. It doesn't make sense. So what we do is uh, UIOD, bring your own device. You have an Android phone. Everybody have an Android phone now. And then after, just put in the app and then it's good to use. So this is like the whole WeChat Pay thing in China where they just use QR code, scan, scan, and move on. Do you see that happening in Malaysia for the startups right here in the next two, three years, or sooner than that, or later than that? What uh, do you think? Actually, it's happening now. I think this okay. year is quite crucial. They're already rolling out at this now. What, what about the fact of avoiding paying tax? Yeah, so in a, in a country like my country, Denmark, it's, it's close to impossible. We don't have tax anymore. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but essentially... Essentially, only wanting to accept cash because 
you know, then, then 90% of, of your profits or your revenue can, can disappear. Um, how, how does that affect your business? Uh, definitely, it's, definitely it's hard because uh, you, you got a very, very point there because especially all the grassroots merchants, the hawkers and all, the one thing they want to escape is tax. But having said that, I mean, that, that, that part, I mean, it's, it's really up to their prerogative. We, we can't really like, you know, uh, we, the only thing we can do is offer them the solution, um, try to explain to them that this is an extended uh, way of actually, uh, you know, uh, driving traffic. We always try to use that approach, driving traffic to them. Hopefully that angle works, okay? But you talk, talk about paying tax, yeah, that, that's a huge one, right? Um, yeah. can, can I just chip on to, the, to that part? I think, for example, if you look at what's happening in China, and I think, uh, you know, Adrian, I think you, you're probably more ex expert in this, but the, the, the Alipays and all that, not only is it just for transaction for payments, but they also add on top of it basically financial services like loans, microcredit and all that. And when they look, offer you a loan, they look back at your transaction data, so if you're basically, you know, like you're, you're okay, hiding, yeah, you're yeah. hiding away your oh, transactions. Okay. They're like, oh, you're, you're only selling twenty pieces. No, no, no. In actual fact, for a loan, you need to sell fifty pieces a day. So I think it kind of forces you to be like, you know, to be a bit more legitimate about what you're doing, So I think there's a check and balance to it. Adrian, Adrian, what do you think? Let's pass the microphone here and see what do you think of that. Mm, about what part? The fact that we could potentially be going a step forward of the whole brick and mortar deal and using our phones as apps to go and make payments for the nasi lemak seller who doesn't have to need a device anymore. You know, is that the way forward? Will that happen soon, next two or three years? No. It'll take longer, probably five to ten years. Why? Adoption. Because it's, for, in terms of adoption, you, you can just tell the, the, the merchant or like the new startups that download this app, download this app, scan, scan, and then IP88 can come in and be the third person to do the transaction charges, to you know, connect the banks. Okay, you look at Lazada. I believe most of you shop at Lazada before. Um, the main reason is because behavior takes times to change. Just like uh, Kenneth have pointed out, evolution. Oh. And, um, and also, it takes a lot of money to actually motivate consumers right, to change behavior. And that's why when Lazada come in, the first thing they do is what? Discount, discount, discount and more yeah, discount. Yeah, yeah. Because price right, is the most powerful thing. They can actually change the status quo. Um, but what if Malaysia, sometimes discount stop, spending stop also. Sorry, how, how does that work again? Discount stops? Spending also stop. How? Because Malaysia are cheap. So thank you once again. We have reached the end of this episode of Cyberjaya Startup Summit First Edition, Sustainable Entrepreneurship. Be sure to check out more exciting podcast series only at EFM.live.